It's Monday, February 27th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Thanks for being here. Hey, hey. Thank you for being here. You're uh back from Arizona. Yeah, back from Arizona. You can't you Good can't trip. uh you look like you just kind of got off the plane coming in here. You're still moving, man. <laughs> Unlike our man behind the glass who stayed an extra day and took in some of the sights, did some hiking, caught a uh, preseason baseball game, a little cactus league and and Dan's Dan's got a little bit of a little bit of a burn. But he's, but he's hanging in there. You get some sun in February. You got to be feeling good about that. Absolutely. Uh, we're gonna dig into the news of the morning, and yes, that will include last night's Oscars. Uh, let's start though with earnings from Shutterstock. Shutterstock is the is the company behind a lot of the images and the video that you see online. Shares down seventeen percent this morning after a fourth quarter that really wasn't bad. I mean, this this seemed like a solid quarter, and I'm wondering if. Either expectations got out of whack, or the stock just got pricey to the point where they needed a blowout quarter. I think it's probably a little bit of both. Um, I mean, this is a neat little business, and I think what we're seeing right now is that the price of some of these high flyers, uh, those prices are going to start pulling back as those growth expectations start pulling back a little bit. And I think that based on what we saw in 2016 and what they're expecting for 2017, it's reasonable to assume those expectations are going to start pulling back. Those numbers are going to be um, maybe a little bit lower than than perhaps we thought a year ago. If you look at top-line guidance for, for this coming year, they're looking at about 10 to 11% revenue growth, with operating income growth pegged even lower than that, You know, around 8% or so, which really does make you wonder. I mean, this is a small business. Which sells for a very high multiple. Um, I mean, let's be clear: it's profitable. It's a good business, but price always matters, right? And and so, I I, th- I think I mean when I look at the business, I mean there's some, there's some pluses there. This is a founder-led business. Uh, the the CEO and founder owns a, a good chunk of shares, something like forty six percent of the of the uh, outstanding shares. And and we like to see that, but we say this time and time again: that doesn't make an investment good. It's just a nice quality you like to see. And I think that when you look at the actual opportunity here, the economics of this business model, that's where I kind of wonder because I feel like as time goes on, it seems like access to this content is getting easier. It seems like replicating this content is getting easier. And basically, Shutterstock operates this sort of two-way marketplace where they. License out images and music and what and whatnot, and then they pay royalties to the providers. But as that provider library grows, you start to kind of wonder how much pricing power do you really have there? How unique is this content really? And in the day where everybody's got a phone, everybody's got a camera, everybody's got a video recorder, it seems to me it's it's reasonable to at least question. I mean, I feel like that content's more and more replicable, which which I think takes away from their edge, and therefore I think. Brings in a lot of questions about the company's future, and I think that's what the market's uh, reacting to today. Uh, although on the plus side, you have to assume that it's a slight advantage for them, and I don't know to what extent they even break out. This is the revenue we had on the music side. This is what we had on images. This is what we had on video. I don't know if they do that, but when you think about bandwidth improving in a lot of places on the planet, that presumably leads to more video. Which presumably leads to more video business for companies like Shutterstock. Yeah, no question. And I think you know, along with that, it leads to more competition, which 
again brings into question um, how how solid is this company's competitive position, and I just I don't know that it really is all that solid. All right, let's move on to Tesla. Shares down five percent this morning after Goldman Sachs downgraded the stock from neutral to sell. And on the surface, I was sort of struck by the fact that it got downgraded to sell, just because we we don't see a lot of that on Wall Street. Yeah, you know, we see a lot of well, we're we're putting this as a hold, we're putting it to neutral. No, this is just flat out sell. Yep. Now, on the flip side, this note made it very clear. This is all about the near term. Yeah, and so in that regards, maybe it's not all that surprising when you consider that this is a stock that's up more than thirty percent since early December. So, when you think about the the short term mentality on Wall Street, probably not a surprise that someone would come out with this. No, and I think when looking through that note and seeing sort of the 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 general concerns there on the potential for a capital raise, um, the uncertainty of the solar business. I mean that's that's like duh. I mean we all kind of think that, right? I mean at some point or another you look at this business and you say it's not trading in line with fundamentals. I mean the stock has just been the tremendous story stock has done very well for a pretty impressive period of time here. Still a lot of questions to be answered, but I think that um, if you believed in Tesla yesterday, then this shouldn't change your feelings about it at all. Um, I mean there are fair questions in the near term, but I think. Again, we look at this business as, in the long term, it's more than just a car company. It's a battery company. It's a power company. It's a space company. It's a lot of things. And you know, I was asked on Twitter a little while back in regard to Markel. Now we always refer to that as kind of our baby Berkshire Hathaway. And if Markel is the baby Berkshire, then what's the baby Amazon? And really, the best answer I could come up with is Tesla. I think that's probably a pretty decent comparable there, in that it's being led by this individual with these just outer world aspirations and in, in, in wanting to do Literally things that, yeah outer exactly world. I mean wanting to do things that people even just 10 years ago would have scoffed at um, and the market gives it a lot of credit today but I think this is one of those unique businesses where um, they do have grand aspirations but if you look at it over any real stretch of time they are meeting those goals. I mean, they may not always meet it on the timeline necessarily that investors want or Wall Street wants, but they are meeting them and and continuing to set a very high bar. And and it goes back to kind of being one of those companies that I think a lot of people on this planet really pull for anyway. I mean, we want to see new ways to supply energy, cleaner ways to supply energy. Um, everything that that Tesla is doing, I think, is easy to root for. And when you have a company like that. Sure. I mean, near-term concerns are always going to exist, and I think that uh, you're going to see big banks come out with these notes all the time. Um, I, I don't think it changes the story in the long run. As a matter of fact, I'd be shocked if they did not have to raise capital in the, in the next uh, year. I mean, this is a business that clearly is going to need a lot of capital to continue to grow. But with that said, I think they're going to have no problem raising that capital. I think there are enough people who are bought in uh, to the story, enough big money that's bought into the story that they will gladly. Uh, help help keep those those uh, spigots open. Well, and if you think about those three, uh, you know, th- those three potentials. So the potential for a, a capital raise, um, the potential, or rather, the question around the solar business, and then the Model Three, the mass market sedan that Tesla uh, is looking to roll out. If you think about what's going to turn heads on Wall Street. 
It's probably not the first two. If Tesla goes the rest of this year and they don't have to raise capital, I don't think that's going to make someone like Goldman Sachs reverse course. I think if they start crushing it in terms of Model 3 production, that's what I think makes Goldman Sachs just completely reverse course. Yeah, I think that's certainly the biggest question in the near term. I mean, that's the question that that is at the forefront of every investor's mind is they set these real high goals in regard to the evolution of the automotive uh Line of this business, right? Because that's what we know Tesla for today. It's a car company. Uh, it requires a lot of capital to make that stuff happen, right? I mean, you need factories, you need workers. I mean, it requires building cars, which is bending metal and batteries and all sorts of stuff there. Even if they're setting those high goals, even if they don't quite meet those high goals, you got to set high goals, right? I mean, they're still proving over the course of time here that they're meeting uh, goals in sort of evolving. Their product line and building more, uh, not only types of automobiles, but the technology that goes into those automobiles are evolving very quickly. And I think any investor has to look at that and say, that's just one sign of what kind of business this really is. So that when they're setting these sites uh, beyond as like an energy company, as a battery company, we know they're going to set high goals, but we also know that uh, that's going to probably result in some pretty amazing things over the long term. All right, let's. Move on to the Oscars, and I know you didn't watch. I know you're not a fan. You're not a fan of the. Oscars. I'm not anti Oscars or Hollywood or anything. I just I feel like, I mean, like I was saying, I, if I, I want to go listen to people rant about politics. I mean, I'll just put it on C-SPAN or like well, no, whatever. It's not not every. I watched most of it. I of course, like a lot of people, I went to bed before the huge snafu at the end where the the wrong the wrong film was called for that's just a phenomenal mess yes and i'm i'm wondering if uh, so so for anyone who missed it um uh, pricewaterhousecoopers is the firm that validates all the voting and and that sort of thing and what what we have since learned in the in the last 12 hours is that in terms of the way the academy awards are announced uh, pricewaterhousecoopers has Two copies of the envelopes, so that when they when they come out and they say, and the winner is, there are two copies of that envelope. And in the case of uh, Best Picture, Emma Stone won for Best Actress. She's the female star of La La Land, and so she wins. She gets her trophy. She goes off to the press room to do interviews, and she's holding her envelope. The second copy of her envelope was handed. To the people who were announcing oh Best Picture, God. and after some initial confusion, they announced La La Land. The people from La La Land go up, and then it, it is then figured out backstage they have the wrong envelope. So it was it was Moonlight that was the winner. It's like in an hour we get we get this presser from Goldman Sachs. We're like, actually, you know what? We meant Tesla's a buy, right? Right, not sell. Buy. Exactly. We we, 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 we published the wrong copy <laughs> of that analyst note. Um, so yeah, Price Waterhouse Cooper. You know, a little egg on their face, um, but just in terms, I wanted to touch on a couple of business things first. Just on a personal level, very happy for Ezra Edelman, uh, who won for best documentary uh, for his documentary about um, O.J. Simpson. That was impressive. I yeah. saw that documentary. Uh, it's an amazing. It's an amazing documentary. Um, but Amazon and Netflix breaking through and uh, taking home some gold statues. Netflix. Uh, backing uh, Best Documentary Short, and Amazon Studios uh, was uh, the main producer of Manchester by the Sea. So, Casey Affleck winning that trophy, and, and Kenneth Lonergan for screenplay. It's not terribly surprising. I mean, really, what this all boils down to is, 
establishing yourself as a place where talent wants to go work. And Amazon and Netflix have proven that they want to be a part of this market as it grows and changes. And uh, they're they're obviously establishing themselves as as a place where talent sees a lot of, a lot of opportunity, a lot of creative freedom. And and I think that really, if you're an artist. I know it's easy to to say this. I mean, it's I don't think it's always really about the money. I think a lot of artists these days really it is about that creative opportunity. And I think you see a lot of artists. FX is another good example where they'll take a little bit less on the money side to have that creative freedom. I think Louis C.K. really was a guy, the yeah. guy that kind of changed that model, so to speak. But you could see the after effects of that, and people realize they could go work with a studio or or you know a channel, as it were. And have a little bit more creative freedom. And sure, it may pinch the purse strings in the near term, but the long term effects can be phenomenal because it opens up so many more doors when you have that creative freedom and you're proven to be pretty talented at what you do. Also, I would take a good night for the Walt Disney Company. I mean, Disney... isn't every night a good night for the Walt well, Disney? I mean, at least in my house, it is. Well, in terms of statues, I mean, they they Disney owns ESPN. ESPN yeah. is the producer of the O.J. Simpson documentary. Uh, also, Disney Technology, and they own ABC, which is the network that was that was producing, you know, the, the telecast itself. But uh, and I guess we'll wait and see what the the ratings are, <coughs> and in terms of what the uh, what the ad revenue was. But they were they were selling the ad revenue at a at a pretty nice clip. Uh, but uh, good night for Disney Tech, uh, Jungle Book winning for visual effects. Uh, Pixar winning best animated short, uh, Zootopia winning best animated. So, so kudos to to the Walt Disney Company as well. Yeah, and I suspect not too terribly long from now, it's probably not going to be Oscars worthy. But we're going to hear a lot more about Bam Tech and sort of that infrastructure of online sports streaming. Uh, as as you know, Bam Tech is is really the the infrastructure behind that. Um, MLB, NHL, even the NFL. Uh, Disney has about a third um, of, of the stake of that company, and one billion dollars uh, invested there. And I think they're going to continue to invest more. Um, and so, as we talked about before, this sort of shaking out of this subscription model and, and the threats to ESPN, as people continue to cut the cord, I think Disney is going to prove to be very uh, astute in that um, in that in that change. All right, a couple things about. Amazon before, or not Amazon, Arizona. Uh, before we wrap up, had a great event out in Scottsdale with a bunch of our one members. That's what it sounded like. That's what it looked like. I got to see some. You, of you, you watched the video. I live stream a little bit of it. Yeah. Had a great time. It's always great to meet uh, to go out and meet members at these events. And by the way, people were asking after you. Oh, really? Yeah. There were a bunch of there were a bunch of uh, there, you know our one members uh, include some of the dozens. So they were like, Where, "Where's Jason? Is Jason finally, here?" Finally, let that guy at home. Didn't I was like, "No, no, Jason's not here. Sorry." <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I got a chance to interview uh, Brad Stone, who's uh, the author of the Everything Store, the, yes. the book about Amazon. He has a new book out about Airbnb and Uber, and we're gonna play. Part of that interview on Motley Fool Money this week. Yeah, I look forward to reading that. The Everything Store was a great book. I really enjoyed. That. Yeah, he, he Brad Stone is a fantastic writer and investigative journalist, and the way he and I, I said this during the interview. I like origin stories. I like it in movies, and I like it in business. And he's written a book that has a, a pretty amazing uh, pair of Amazon of of. Uh, origin stories, particularly when you consider what is happening late over the past ten days with Uber. So we'll see where that goes. Um, so that's going to be on Motley Fool Money this coming weekend. As I tweeted out, I did a little boots on the ground research. I went to for the first time in my life in and out Burger. 
So listeners who have who have rightfully chastised me in the past for not going to In-N-Out Burger when I've been on the West Coast or certainly in the western half of the country, I, I I've checked that box, and I will just say this: I totally get it. I totally get why people love In-N-Out Burger. The first of all, it's a great burger, but just the experience, the way the the that the shops are set up, and um, uh, and it's it's not expensive. I mean, I went with Chris Harris. And we were sort of standing there, and after we ordered, he was just sort of staring up. And I said, "What? What are you looking at?" He said, "Look at the menu," and it's just this. It's a very simple menu, but it's also a very affordable menu. As Shake Shack like or uh, more affordable than Shake Shack? Wow! Um, but funny you mentioned Shake Shack because when we were driving around Scottsdale, at one point I turned to Chris and I said, "I think Scottsdale is ground zero for the burger wars because." Everything was there. Yes, of course, Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's, that sort of thing. We drove by a Shake Shack, a Jack in the Box, a Five Guys, a Sonic. Um, you've got In and Out, obviously, that we went to. I didn't see it, but I, I was curious and looked up Culver's, which is the Midwestern uh, chain, which uh, people have written to us about. Culver's was there. So um, sounds like another road trip. I was just gonna say you could just we could just camp out in Scottsdale for a week. And then probably just go straight to a hospital after that. But I'd be down. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.